We have a couple of updates we need to bring you on stories we've talked about this week. We do. We're going to circle back. We're going to circle back. Nice management speak there. Uh, first of all, you may remember earlier in the week we spoke with a climate change expert about the UN Climate Conference, COP28. We've said that enough times on the pod. And New Zealand choosing not to sign up to a pledge to treble green energy globally when the likes of our friends, the US and Australia, did sign up. Well... Great news, team. We have signed on to it. And we didn't even look too silly joining last minute because there were four other countries who who signed on as well. Who will miss the memo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So it's it's like us and four buddies being like, oh, whoopsie, Uh uh-huh. Psych. <laughs> the other update is the absolute opposite end of the news spectrum. <laughs> this is just pure silly and stupidness. So we spoke about this uh, disgraced politician, George Santos, earlier in the week. He got booted out of the House based on his litany of bizarre lines. Well, now he's got a new job. He has to make a bit of extra money on Cameo. He's not the first celebrity to have to do this, and he won't be the last. For anyone that doesn't know what Cameo is, it's when celebrities will send you a personalised 30-second video if you pay them. In this case, it's about 350 New Zealand bucks if you want George Santos to uh, send you a personalised video. Lo and behold, not only uh, has he done these videos, we've managed to find one where he is singing some Taylor Swift. My favourite Tia song is definitely going to be Trouble. I knew you were trouble when you walked in. That's me. Bye! Please get Taylor Swift songs out your mouth, uh, George Santos. Please. Does anyone listening want to crowd pool with me to buy Emma's Christmas present? As like oh a, I know, I knew you were trouble by uh, the, the full version from George Santos. I think that's money going to be well spent. Ah, well, I hope everyone enjoyed that little uh, song as a way to start your Friday. Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Jess. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. Week one of proper politics. It's done. It's dusted. So what were the highs and what were the lows? We're finding out if there's any evidence tobacco companies are influencing the government. One man's mission to find the most effective alternative energy systems. And as it cake is back once again, I have two banger headlines for you and Imo has to choose between them. I don't think I'm going to get it right this week, but anyway, we've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Proper politics, fiery and fraught, has finally sparked off in Parliament. This week, everything kicked off for real after all the state openings and the swear-ins of all the MPs. But it's been a feisty little start with senior politicians on both sides piling in from the get-go. And it wasn't even limited to the traditionally combative question times in the debating chamber either. So, does this tell us anything about what we might expect with this new government? Well, here, once again, to unpack everything with us is the wonderful stuff political reporter Glenn McConnell. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Yoda. Week one done, Glenn. How do you think it went? It was such an incredible week. We saw all this weird old tradition happening <laughs> with, with um, the black rod, you know. Who knew that was a job, walking backwards <laughs> through the halls of Parliament. And then we saw absolute fire, mm. you know, absolute uh, passion for, for why people have been here because they've been able to speak, you know, in, in Parliament for ages um, from actually all sides, and it, it's been quite incredible. But by Thursday, it felt like some energy was lost, that people people aren't ready for, for having to show up to work for three days. <laughs> They're yeah. not fit. 
So the new Prime Minister, Christopher Luxon, he's had his first question time as Prime Minister as opposed to being leader of the opposition. How did he do? He stood his ground, uh, but he had to do that, right, sitting next to Winston Peters, who was throwing barbs, who was looking for arguments, who was talking about everything uh, he could to try and agitate the Greens into Party Māori sitting opposite. So that relationship between New Zealand first, you know, the anti-woke brigade and the Green and Te Party Māori will be really interesting. And Christopher Luxon's focus still seems to be on telling the public how badly Labour did and were doing and do. Does he need to get his head in the game a bit more? Would you expect him to have moved on and talk about his own government, I guess? Yeah, to, to his credit, it has only been a week. He hasn't been able to do much. He hasn't been able to pass any laws yet. But the continued talking about the opposition now, the former government, kind of actually, I think, worked in Labour's favour because they were shouting, you know, Grant Robertson holding his heart, shouting across at Nicola Willis, you know, why do you love me so much? You talk about me too much. Um, it was it was a, you know, funny sight to see people changing positions or adapting to their new jobs. Mm. You mentioned Winston Peters before uh, trying to pick fights with the Greens into Party Māori. He's not trying to pick fights when it comes to Gaza. He's made a call for a ceasefire there. How did that play out? Yeah, this is Winston Peters, the foreign minister, the statesman, who kind of led Parliament actually unifying in a way all parties around the issue of the Israel-Gaza war. He said a ceasefire is urgent and every country involved, not just those two, America as well has been brought into this need to work towards peace. You know, that wasn't all Israel's job. He uh, was very critical of Hamas and said uh, the hostages must be released immediately. And while all that was happening inside the parliament, there was protests going on outside the parliament. Can you just tell me a little bit about what happened there? I understand one of them was Brian Tamaki's pro-Israel protest, but were there counter-protests as well? It was quite a sight outside. So you had Brian Tamaki leading uh, Kamate the Haka by Nati Tor. They're not happy about that, I understand either. They don't want uh, Destiny Church taking their haka. And you had down at the Supreme Court in, on Lampton Quay, you had anti-fascist protesters in support of Palestine. You also had graduation photos being taken <laughs> on the grounds of Parliament in the middle of all of this. Um. And Debbie Narewa Packer from Te Pāti Māori said that actually Destiny Church uh, supporters from the group Man Up swamped her, putting a f- Israel flag across her car as she was trying to get into work today. It was quite a scene. Goodness me, if we look ahead to next week, is everyone making their maiden speeches this week? Is that going to be all done? When might everyone get down to the business of running the country? There are so many maiden speeches to be made that they're stretching this out into the new year because uh, the government has a lot it needs to do. It's promised Mm. a lot and it only has a few weeks before Christmas. Uh, So it is delaying some of those formalities actually until the new year so it can get on to repealing uh, changes to the Reserve Bank Act to focus it only on inflation instead of employment. Oh, so much more to come on this and hopefully we can talk to you a bit more now things are up and running. That is Staff's political reporter, Glenn McConnell. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Remember, if you ever want to get in touch, you can always flick us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Go on, usable at stuff.co.nz. New Zealand has scored pretty highly when it comes to reports of influence from the big tobacco companies. This year, we were ranked second in the world in a global tobacco index that runs a survey based on information from civil society groups.
The new government's moves to repeal the smoke-free laws have provoked outrage from medical experts, but is there any evidence of influence from tobacco producers? Peter Adams is a professor at the School of Population Health at the University of Auckland and an expert in the field of so-called unhealthy commodities. And he joins us now. Kia ora, Peter. Kia ora. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, we're quite used to kind of seen in those US TV shows where lobbyists wheel and deal and pay some money on the sides to get politicians on their side. Is it at all like that here in Aotearoa? Yeah, pretty pretty similar. We've, we've got a very active lobbying scene. We're professional lobbyists who work for a variety of clients and, and are paid for their services. They are often from communications industry or they're ex-politicians. We have government relations staff who work for the companies, the corporations themselves, and they, they work on building relationships with government actors. And we have this, the various associations that have a variety of people who lobby on behalf of their membership, such as the Food and Grocery Council and the Hospitality Association. And we're not just talking about the producers, we're talking about retailers, and particularly the supermarkets who are very active in promoting healthy commodity industries like uh, alcohol and tobacco and uh, in particular. So you say it's really active and perhaps it's perception that that makes us feel like we're a transparent country. Do we know how successful these lobbying tactics used here have been? I mean, is this repealing of various smoke-free parts of that law testament to how successful lobbying can be in New Zealand? Well, I would say so. I mean, we've been researching unhealthy commodity industries for some time here. And particularly the last four years, we're running a special project focusing particularly on how industries, particularly the alcohol, tobacco and gambling and food industry, attempt to influence the politicians in particular. In terms of health and well-being, these consumptions are a huge contributor. And one of the problems here in the mix is addiction itself. And so one of the things about addiction is that when a person becomes addicted, they consume vast amounts on a reliable basis. So from a business point of view, they're really, really good business to target them. So us in public health are kind of in a head-on clash in a sense because we're trying to reduce the harm from these products by reducing harmful use and addictive use. And the industry's trying to do the opposite. It's trying to push them because they know that's where they're their money's coming from. Is there any way, Peter, to ever know, and will we ever know, whether these tobacco changes that we've seen over the last couple of weeks have come about from those relationship buildings that you say? Will it ever be proven, or can we only ever guess? Piecing the evidence together takes a long time. There's lots of bits and pieces, because I kind of think the relationship building side is like a black hole. Very little light escapes from what's going on. You kind of piece things together years later through interviews with politicians through documents and stuff and that's what we've been doing so it's very hard at the time to know exactly how the relationship building is going on plus we get put nothing in place in terms of moderating lobbying in New Zealand so we don't have a lobbyist register we don't have uh, stand down periods because with Chris Farfoy and Andrew Curtin recently you had people moving one way or the other from industry to government and then mm, from directly. government to lobbying which mm. there's nothing in place and it's not it's not that they have intelligence it's that they have relationships they're trading in forming close personal relationships with key players peter adams from auckland university school of population health thank you very very much for your time fascinating stuff there
is it cake? The game where one of us turns up to the microphone with two headlines, one of which is real, the other of which is fake, is coming up soon. But before we get to that, here's your reminder to chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. It'll help other people find us and it'll mean you always get fresh episodes delivered straight to your phone. No effort at all. Household greenhouse gas emissions are the largest consumption-based components of New Zealand's total carbon footprint, and recently they've been increasing. So between June 2022 and June 2023, our household emissions had increased by 3.4%, and they've risen by a total of 9.5% since 2011, almost 10% in 10 years. Stats New Zealand puts the increases down to the amount of transport we're all using, plus things like food waste and electricity also have an impact. But one man who's been off-grid, I'm told, since before it became fashionable, is here now to share some secrets and tips. Bill Curry from Powerhouse Wind, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Bill, we'll get to what Powerhouse Wind does in a second, but first, can we talk a little bit about you and how you live off-grid? Okay, um, well, we built a house um, at the turn of the century, basically. So moved in in 2001, and the house has been off-grid in every respect. So it um, generates its own power, it gathers its own water, it disposes of its own wastewater. We grow quite a lot of our own food, so it's a, it's a very sort of independent sort of a house. But, yeah, it does take a little bit of thinking to make it work. It becomes a very sort of um, interesting lifestyle. Now, Bill, not all of us will be able to build a house and live off-grid as well as you do. So if you were to say, give us one thing that potentially the majority of us here right now listening could do, what would that be? Well, I, I would actually suggest that going fully off-grid isn't isn't the best answer. Making a contribution and being able to feed it back into the grid is probably ideal. So putting some solar panels on the roof and possibly adding a battery is a good thing because it means that you can what's called dispatch the energy when you when you want to. You can either keep it and use it yourself or you can feed it back to the grid if you've got a got a surplus. And so your company, Powerhouse Wind, has created and developed PowerCrate, which I believe is essentially a generator powered by solar and wind. Looks very fancy. <laughs> what do you see it could be used for? It's basically for off-grid applications and um, we think it has a role to play in any situation where you need power away from where a power line is economic. So it could be adding resilience to things like marae and community centres. So it will be connected to the centre and or the marae. And if the power goes down in a storm situation, then essential services can be maintained so you can still communicate, still keep freezers going, um, still keep the lighting going. So that's one application. Powering remote Sites like communication towers and things is another one. That's brilliant. Okay, so give me the details, Bill. When I finally decide that I've had enough of this modern-day lifestyle and I want to go live on a mountaintop, how much is one of these going to cost me? Well, at the moment, we're selling it for $85,000 plus GST. And it's one of those very, very interesting equations where what we need to do is get some volume into it. And if we can get some volume into it and mass produce them, then we can get the cost down. And, you know, there's a sort of virtuous circle there. Bill Curry from Powerhouse Wind, the man off the grid. Before it was cool. Before it was cool. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to call it all. Thank you very much. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo to you about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line no, there. No, that, I think Chris, it would be a resignation offence.
if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing if in there, that sits on. with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. We're back for Is It Cake on a Friday, one of my favourite times of the week. And it is my turn to ask you, Imogen Wells, can you tell the difference between these two headlines, one of which is real, one of which is fake? Here they are. First ones first. These are shopping themed, by the way. I thought, you know, Christmas shopping. I'll go like that. Okay. First one. Woman asked to do push-ups as part of supermarket job interview. Is that spelled woman or woman? Woman. Woman, singular woman. Okay, great. So I'm just trying to envision the headline written, of course. (laughs) And second one is police issue appeal after mystery shopper pays with chocolate coins. Oh my gosh. What a delicious prank that would have been. Wow. Okay, okay. I'm going to pause for a feat because I believe this is the first time all of us have heard these headlines. So I want to make sure everyone else can, can figure out what they believe is cake. Do you think someone would have been asked to do push ups as part of a supermarket interview, or do you think someone's cheeky enough to try and pay with chocolate coins? I believe both. <laughs> that's um, good for me, yay. Yeah, that's really good for you. I, the, yeah, you've stumped me here. Yeah. I'm now trying to think about what one you could have made up. I'm like reverse psychologying it. I'm like, which one sounds like something Jess made up rather than which one sounds real? I'm going to say that the push-ups is the real headline. You are correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that based on purely because you think I like chocolate coins too much? Yeah, yeah. I'll be intrigued to know how many people also got that playing along at home. <laughs> uh, that was good from you. Thank you very much. Can you tell me a bit about the push-ups though? What's the yarn? This comes from uh, the New York Post. So the headline, Supermarkets Creepy Fitness Test an Interview Has Applicants Doing Push-Ups Via Zoom. So this is all secondhand from a woman who's gone to the newspaper. She said, my relative recently interviewed for a position in Aldi, which is a supermarket we don't actually have in New Zealand. Uh, they later asked her to partake in a Zoom meeting where she was asked to do push-ups, sit-ups and star jumps to show her fitness level. Oh, I, I mean, I, I could understand the push-ups just in terms of like arm strength for yeah, stacking shelves, but boxes, sit-ups and star jumps is a step too far. <laughs> I mean, push-ups are a step too far. Let's say the, <laughs> the other exercises are two steps too far. So that didn't happen for your newsable interview then? It wasn't like, <laughs> tell us a joke and then <laughs> give me 20. <laughs> <laughs> tell you what, if it had been part of the interview, I would not be here. Liar. <laughs> uh, thank you for playing along, Jess. Two brilliant headlines. Namahinoe. That is newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells. And I'm Jessica McCarthy. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you next week. I'm off to get some chocolate corn. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Hey, Chris. Yes. Do you want another very broad question? I've got a very broad question today. Go on, then. What do you know about sports? Up the wires, go the Black Caps, and don't forget Premier League football. Oh, you do love a bit of Premier League footage, do. don't you? What team is it that you support again? Oh, the current champions, Manchester City. I think they're pronounced Arsenal. It's pronounced Arsenal. Uh, but you know what's good about football? It what? They don't regulate soccer. I'm sorry. There's a sport that regulates soccer? Indeed there is, and it's cycling. That's very strange. Why on earth do they regulate it? 
Well, I know, but if you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the Big Stuff Quiz wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, that's a cliffhanger indeed. The Big Stuff Quiz is brought to you by Melbourne Every Bit Different. Listener.